You can support Geek Therapy and gain access to exclusive content by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash geektherapy. Welcome to GT Radio on the Geek Therapy Network. Here at Geek Therapy, we believe that the best way to understand each other and ourselves is through the media we care about. My name is Oscar Cardona, and I'm joined by Lauren... Blah, Laura Taylor. <laughs> hey! And Lauren Keller. Hello. We've, we like, no, merged. <laughs> you have no idea how, how often I, I... I mean, I don't know how often it comes across, but, like, mid-word, mid, mid word, I'm like, I want to say the other one. <laughs> <laughs> So, I'm very ill-prepared for this episode. I've not been this worried about touching a topic on the show in a long time. This is like one of those, one of the, the what is it, the dreaded like three that you don't talk about before bed or in company? Like people in general or just me? People in general. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is it though? Is it? I don't... Yeah. So 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 we're going to talk about money today, and I right. don't know if that's I don't know if that's really what we're going to talk about. I think that's part of the conversation, but I try to never think about money. I try not to talk about money. Uh, I th- in a in a previous episode, recent episode, I mentioned that even the stock market in Animal Crossing was really stressing me out, and whew, yeah, so. I don't like to talk about money, but an episode of One Day at a Time uh, recently called Penny Pinching got me got me thinking about um, it was like it was a realistic portrayal of of money that I could really relate to. So it it got me thinking, and I was like, you know what? I should take advantage of this opportunity <laughs> and talk this over with my friends, <laughs> and uh, because because I don't I don't remember the last time that I saw uh, like a, a conversation about money that was as relatable. And basically in the episode, um, Penelope, the, the the mom in the family, she has this old couch and there's this joke that the, that the, like the couch is leaking and like, how is that even possible? Like, <laughs> like it's, yeah, unless you leak. have one that's got like a motor in it for like, yeah. It's just, it's just so weird. And so, and so the, the boss, uh, the boss, the landlord was like, Penelope, but you, you've had a new job for a while. You make way more money than you used to. I'm sure you can afford it. Like that thing is falling apart. Like that thing is not okay. And, and it isn't until she sits on it and it literally breaks in half the sofa that she goes to the store to, to even entertain the idea of of spending the money on buying a, a new couch. This is after she went to a restaurant and reamed out the waiter for not giving her the happy hour prices and yelling at her whole family to order before six o'clock so they could get happy hour prices. Right, right, right. The pot stickers. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah. And she embarrassed the whole family. <laughs> and the new girlfriend of her son. <laughs> yep, yep. Over... I don't, did they say it was like thirteen dollars or something? Thirteen dollar like pot stickers, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so it wasn't even the full thirteen dollars. That was the difference between thirteen dollar pot stickers and whatever they cost during happy hour. Uh, like I can, I can relate more to the sofa example than I can mm-hmm. to the pot stickers. But I, but I, I understand <laughs> the the pot sticker one. So, so I just want to touch base uh, with with Lauren especially. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, like is. 
is is money uh like could you relate with with my anxiety over over money yeah or like the avoidance of yeah yeah 100 percent. okay (laughs) um and and like i'm not even talking about the current crisis that we're in right oh no no (laughs) this is a long lasting (laughs) this is this is uh uh i i don't know i guess partly learned behavior from my parents even but yeah it's um money is high on my anxiety list if not number one it's it's definitely my number one um when i was 21 I was bit by, so at the time I thought I was bit by a spider. I went to a dermatologist and they, they told me, Hey, uh, we doesn't look good. We're going to do a biopsy. They did the biopsy and they told me it looks like a lymphoma. Uh, you should go to this cancer Institute and get it checked out and get some testing. And I remember going there and the first day they have this like welcome to cancer packet. They ask you all these questions and give you all this information. And one of the things that I remember it said, it was like, are you afraid to die? And I was like, meh. <laughs> like, are you afraid of this and that? Nah. It's like, are you like, how afraid, like how concerned are you about um, having to pay for it? And I was like, yeah, 100% maximum. Mm-hmm. Like that's the one. Like if I, if I survive this, how the hell am I going to pay for it? And it was it was something that in a moment like that, in a cancer scare, the cost overshadowed like my anxiety about money overshadowed my fear of death and suffering and and anything else. Yep. Um, That's the case for a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, obviously, we're all coming from uh, an American perspective, but that is an extremely common experience in America. Yeah. Is it though? Is it? Yeah. That, that's yeah. not comforting for me at all. No, that, it's that not, I'm not comforting. Alone. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, I don't, I, ugh, that's horrible. Oh, um, fun fact, I did not have lymphoma, um, which was good. I found out 10 years later, I was actually bitten by a tick and I had Lyme disease. Mm-hmm. But I didn't find out until 10, 10 years later. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's great. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. Uh, story for another day. The, uh, yeah, learned behaviors from parents, they did not help me at all. And for a while I was pretty angry about it, but eventually, I can't, I don't know, like. You get to the point where you realize that <laughs> they, they're in the same position. They learned yeah. from their parents and whatever the, the context of the situation, the environment they grew up in and what kind of money they had access to or what kind of wealth they had you know they could see around them like all of that stuff affects how we how we you know conceptualize capital and and we can't help but pass it on to our kids well in my parents case it was that they came from such poverty that then when they did have money they didn't understand money does that does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. It was like they had nothing when they were kids or so little that then when they like they had jobs, they they fucked it up. Which is and then they they messed it up enough that I, I never learned how to do it right either. So I kind of did the same thing. And like it gets to a point where like money almost doesn't make sense to me. 
And it's so weird because it's not even, that's why like, it's not just math. <laughs> it's not just that. There's so much uh, tied to it that I get so anxious. Like I'm, I'm good at math. I'm good at science. I am um, like, I went into engineering not because like I, I loved engineering, but all my teachers were like, "You're really good at math. You should just do that." I was like, "Okay, that'll be easy." So I went, but but money, I can't. I can't add dollars and cents. It doesn't. I can't do it. I can't do it. <laughs> it just it just completely uh, messes me up. So like that that's where my parents' um, situation was from. Like, what do you mean um, when you when you described your parents' situation, Lauren? Um. Well, my. Uh, hmm. How my okay? My great grandparents on my father's side uh, did pretty well in Texas and moved to California, and um, they did pretty well out here. My my great grandmother um, at the end of her life was fairly wealthy, um, at least you know well off, and um, my grandparents on my dad's side continued that and. Uh, then my mom's side of the family is, um, as far as I know, has always been on the, the more poverty side. But anyways, my, my parents didn't know how to do shit with money. And um, yeah, so uh, yeah, I, di- I didn't, did not learn a lot of uh, good, good money stuff from my, my parents, um, my, my stepmom, uh, Mostly anxiety is what I picked up from them. Hmm. Were they also like nervous about money? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, uh, there's there's a whole lot of contextual background stuff, but um, you know, with our blended families uh, and and separate sets of parents and and all of that stuff, it's um, not a lot of like genuine open honest conversations about money it's hushed tones it's you pick it up from context it's hearing like you know the exasperated we can't afford to do that thing that's really important to you um it's overhearing phone calls about you know how are we going to pay the credit card bill this month if you spent it on this other stuff yeah it's yeah. um you know how how much of our inheritance money from my great grandmother's death do we allocate towards dealing with debt? Um, all of that stuff is like never really directly communicated with me, but that was all stuff that I was picking up from from around, uh, you know, around in my environment. Um, mm-hmm. and of course my my stepsister went to private school her whole life and um. So, you know, hearing about that kind of stuff and and trying to pay for school versus I went to public schools most of my life. And it's like, okay, well, how are we going to pay for a new pair of shoes for the new school year? It's just all of this stuff wraps up in it. And it it, it's the foundation for my my understanding of how money works. Um, Of course, I've I've learned a lot more as an adult that has, you know, shaped and changed me in some ways, but, um, you know, I can't, I can't undo what I learned as a, a child. And so that, that aspect I think I feel is probably always going to, to be a part of it. And I guess a really good example of that would be my, my stepmother's parents. So her, her dad and mom lived in New York in the Bronx. They lived in a, a nice apartment, 
um, they were well off, but they had um, lived through the Great Depression. And so when we went out to New York to help clear out the apartment, when um, after uh, after my stepmom's mom had died and we were helping to move her dad out to California, we were clearing out this this old apartment and we kept finding... bills tucked inside of things, inside of clothes, underneath furniture. Um, You know, when we were packing up books, we made sure to like sort of shake out the pages because sometimes there was money hidden inside of the inside of the books. Finding, you know, like (laughs) literal uh, metal ingots sort of tucked away like inside of an ammo case or whatever is like... Yeah, we 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 are learning from all of these experiences that we have, and um, it shapes our behavior throughout our whole lives. Even if our environment and our situation changes, um, it's harder to change those behaviors. Laura, do you have anything to add to this this side of the of the anxiety conversation? So my experience is interesting because my great-grandparents, both sets of my great-grandparents, were very well off. Um, uh, And my parents themselves were not very well off. Um, My mom had a falling out uh, with family and moved to California, um, married someone before my dad, had my siblings, um, and then married my dad and... She lived with, like, nothing. She didn't have anything. Um, when she did get together with my dad, who had a solid job, um, we lived... They lived frugally until they had me. Um, and then my mom spoiled me and acted like she was going to hit the payload when my grandmother died and she was going to get this inheritance. Unfortunately for my mom... She died before my grandmother did. Um, So I've had... um, I was spoiled when I was young. (laughs) Um, But after my mom died, it was my dad living... Raising me without... With only his income. And so we had to weigh things. And I didn't get everything I wanted. He tried his best uh, to keep up with how spoiled I was. Uh, and he, and he did not, uh, but I did still have a happy childhood, uh, and life, um, out of my siblings grew up with my mom when she had nothing. Um, and out of the three of us, I would say that my dad would say, not that he has or anything. I am the most balanced out of all three of us. My brother spends money like it's nothing. And he has to have the best of the best, the brand name, the five-star resort, all of that. My sister is the frugal one who her big splurges are like a trip to Disneyland and a budget hotel and that kind of thing. She finds the best deal she can. I am the one who isn't necessarily anxious about money, but I sit and worry about a decision and whether I, whether or not I should buy something. Um, More so since I married my wife who has different ideas about money than I do. Um, (laughs) 
but I sit and I weigh it. I, I've never worried that money wasn't going to be there. Um, I always had a, a kind of net. Um, and now that my grandmother has passed, I have an even bigger net that makes me feel safe. Um, and money is something that we talk about in my family. Um, my dad and I talk about investments. We talk about good um, decisions, whether or not I should buy something. Like when I bought my new car and I really needed a new car, we talked about is now the right time for me to buy a car. He and I have these conversations together. I do get anxious and won't talk about money with my wife because we have very different ideas about money and what is what where we're going to be okay um and what is what our definitions of okay with money is and whether we have enough and enough saved and and all of these things um but it it's living in the bay area gives a very uh different perspective on money too mm -hmm. everything is way more expensive than it would be um way further out and so yeah money I mean, even, even california compared to the rest of the u.s but then especially the bay area mm -hmm. is like it, it is a, <laughs> a totally different situation than you know to idaho or yeah and so Montana or something. money isn't just money like currency is also ideals and time and so it's it's not just actual money when you're living mm -hmm. in this area and so we're trying to juggle different values that way too so um, we actually need to have a conversation about money this week <laughs> <laughs> and i think it's actually i think it's actually going to be better like we haven't talked about money since I got my new job over six months ago where I'm making more money and we can live a little more comfortably, but we're not going to because we need to save. These are the things that we don't talk about that we should be talking about. So, and I don't know where that comes into play because like I said, I talked, I talk with my dad about money. I talk with my sister about money. I, I didn't talk with my grandmother about money, but um, nobody wanted to talk to my grandmother anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think I think it sort of makes sense because you you know you grew up with your your dad and your sister, and so you have similar uh, points of reference for how you know how money you know shakes out how 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 things should be spent and and what was successful in the past versus what wasn't successful in the past. Um, you have more of a, a shared language with them than you do with Nina, as you mm -hmm. said. She has she has a different um, value system of of you know what what money means and and how how it is valued. And so, I think I think it's understandable that that would be slightly more anxiety inducing. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, thank you for the therapy session, Lauren. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> You're allowed to be anxious. Just don't let it stop you from actually talking about this stuff. Exactly. Exactly. So to hear you all talk about inheritance and things like that, to me, that's something that I've only ever seen in movies. 
to me, that's something that is such a foreign concept. Until a few years ago, that was how I felt. I had yeah. no, I had no concept. I had no concept of what I was going to be getting, the privilege that I have, um, and yeah, it was some weird. It was weird, Josue. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it definitely, it definitely is a privilege. It's, it's coming. You, you are literally inheriting wealth from somebody. So the, the wealth has to have existed before you. Um, yeah, yeah it's uh for a lot of people it, it is just something that happens on tv yeah mm-hmm. like even my grandmother um on my mom's side died a couple of years ago and she had a house the house my mom's gonna kill me so the house was worth like forty thousand dollars and then that was split between like they sold the house split it between three kids and that didn't even cover like the nursing home she was in for the last couple of years of her life Mm-hmm. It's like that wasn't inheritance, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah. Like, legally, I guess it was right, but it's like nah, we kind of broke even, you know, like uh, yeah. because Social Security didn't cover uh, everything um, the last few years. So again, it's it's something that's so uh, yeah, like like you said, um, wealth is yeah. There's such a cultural component when you hear about um, how minorities in the, in I can only speak to the U.S., right? But like, they've they haven't had the opportunity to accrue wealth, and mm-hmm. then when things like the recession happened, like they were the ones who lost the most wealth, like generations worth of wealth. Which a lot of it is like just owning a house, right? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. Nobody in my in, in my family owns a house, you know. Like nobody. Nobody's like paid off their home, you know, and has something uh, that they can say. Uh, well, at least we don't have to pay for this anymore. Um, that was that was uh, that was kind of my experience. So, so again, like like I said, like inheritance was something that I saw in TV and in movies. So I'm curious, how much does? And I said at the beginning, one day at a time was a very relatable conversation about money. It was someone who is definitely middle class, struggling with a purchase, like like the kind of thing that you mentioned, Lara, before, right? It's like, oh, do I buy this thing? Do I not buy this thing? And you think about it for a while. I and, literally did that today with my IKEA furniture, yeah. and IKEA, and, and everything was on sale, and I was like, oh, oh is it worth it? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, literally. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so she 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 goes through this, and it was it was good for me to see it anyway it like it it moved me (laughs) to bring me to where i am now so are there are there any examples of money um whether whether it's poverty whether it's uh you know wealthy people um on tv and movies that you think affected your beliefs or your understanding of money are we are we going for more like stuff from our our youth or... Everything, like Richie Rich to, <laughs> to you know, okay. whatever. There, there, there is something I specifically want to talk about, but I think I'm yeah. going to save it for later because it's a, it's a much more recent thing. Okay. Um, well, I mean, but as my older examples, um, mm, I remember uh, thinking that Scrooge McDuck having uh, <laughs> a big pool of gold that he could yes. dive into was like cool but also like kind of fucked up 
I thought it was painful. Like, who yeah, smokes like, how in do you metal? Smell that? that hurts. You smush your face. Him. Everybody else remember just like slam into it, but he just swam. Swims in it. <laughs> and if yeah. it's gold, it's pretty soft. His face Not would imprint. I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> the interesting um, thing about DuckTales, and Scrooge in particular, was that he was such a penny pincher. Mm-hmm. Right? He mm-hmm. was like, he had all that money. You literally, like, they, they showed, I, there are very few examples that I can think of where you can see the person's wealth. He had it in this gigantic vault, vault. in the <laughs> middle of the town that everybody could see. And he would literally like go swimming. Like he loved that, but he wouldn't spend money, right? That was that was the thing. Right? Am I correct? Was- he reminds me very yes, that he wouldn't spend money. He reminds me of my grandmother. Yeah. <laughs> which is why there was an inheritance. Exactly, exactly. She which grew is- up in the Great Depression. Which is something that I didn't un- understand until later, where I was like, Oh, like he was really good with his money. That's why he was able to I mean, that's part of it, right? I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, there's like the the saying: people don't stay rich by spending money. Yeah, yeah, something like yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, and and at least in in terms of Ducktales, like mm-hmm. I can't really speak to the racial and ethnic diversity of Duckburg, and so I don't know. Like, right? It's it's kind of like well, they're all ducks. <laughs> they're all so. pretty white. Yeah, did, yeah, did, yeah. Did, I know. Did, so Doug, like, did Duck yeah. World have slavery? We need to know. Yeah. It's important. (laughs) But since we don't, like, you know, we can, it's kind of like a, like an even playing field for the, for discussing (laughs) money. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a great example. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Also, uh, in a similar vein, um, reading The Hobbit as a kid and Smog the Dragon having the, the mountain full of hoarded wealth. What did that make you think, like, as a, as a kid? Well, I mean, because smog was in the position of being the antagonist and i guess the i guess the villain maybe uh basically framed the idea of hoarding wealth equals bad yeah is that still uh <laughs> does that oh, still affect you <laughs> what a stupid question i was like so so i've i've thought about that a lot where it's so hard to see um like it's hard to think of a person with money and not immediately think this person is a villain or did something horrible to 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 get the money and like immediately but because of media right because that's like that's that's well, been a but then you also have reality <laughs> yes uh well yes i don't i don't want to Yes. <laughs> You're not wrong. I'm saying without, but before I even think about the reality part of it, mm-hmm. I have a reaction to it that is, that is, uh, that comes from, again, years and years of seeing the villain in a, in a particular way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I have uh, on my, on my list of things I thought of, I have two movies from the eighties, uh, Brewster's Millions and Trading Places. Mm-hmm. Uh, Trading Places is about um, a, a rich lawyer and a poor homeless man swapping places uh, <laughs> and really talks on... Was this a Richard Pryor film? No. Uh, that's Brewster's Millions. Trading gotcha. Places okay. has Eddie Murphy. Mm-hmm. Right. And gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, 
I'm forgetting his name. But um, anyways, uh, really talks about like the the different cultures uh, around money being in an upper class environment versus being, you know, on the streets environment. Uh, and then Brewster's Millions is about, um, I guess this this is an inheritance situation where the, the character has to spend $30 million in 30 days. And if he successfully does that, he gets $300 million. And the whole movie is them showing like, basically over time is like how much how much fucking money that really is to try and spend and how at a certain point it becomes hard to spend that kind of money it's just so much and that was in 1985 when we're talking about now in 2020 we're trying to get people to conceptually understand what billions are and we we don't Mm -hmm. even have a good handle on what millions are conceptually and so Brewster's Billions sounds like a better movie they should do a remake they, (laughs) they would have to if they were doing a remake because now 30 million dollars in 30 days it's like okay i bought six houses in la it's like in austin powers one million dollars exactly exactly (laughs) um but yeah Uh, those movies i i definitely watched younger and you know they sort of uh are more like new york focused which i didn't relate to because i was in california and so the the world i lived in did not reflect the the type of world that they portray in in those movies um but it did definitely impact the ideas i had about you know like you were saying Josue, is like you know rich people being evil and poor people being good and um that's uh when poor people get a bunch of money all of a sudden there's always an a story arc of like it's fun it's great i love spending money all of my problems are gone and then the realization that no you still have problems and actually money can't solve that problem at all and like learning the lesson of how like money isn't everything and that definitely stuck with me um which yeah. you know i totally believe that's that's true money is not everything but it is um uh, a much harder belief to have and hold on to when you are an adult in America trying to just live your fucking life. <laughs> the Geek Therapy Network and all of our projects are made possible by the supportive listeners like you. You can become a patron for as little as $1 a month and gain access to exclusive content, behind-the-scenes stories, swag, and more. Sign up at any tier and we'll send you a welcome kit in the mail anywhere in the world to celebrate your first month. Thank you so, so much for supporting us. We couldn't do it without you. You can learn more at patreon.com slash geektherapy. Yeah, I mean, the, the villain thing, uh, and I'm not saying it happened so far already in this conversation, but it's almost like, depending on the circle you're in, when you start talking about money, it's like everybody's trying to make sure that everybody else knows that you, you're kind of poor too. Like, no, no, I'm the most mm-hmm. poor because mm-hmm. then you're like the less evil. <laughs> mm-hmm. like, no, 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 but like, like I no, like... Oh yeah, like I, I've been hungry. Like oh no no no. Like I oh yeah no no. I I filed for bankruptcy. Like oh no no. I did this. I did that. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's like a race to the bottom, just to. It's it's, it's like, both directions, yeah. right? When we yeah. we've assigned moral value to wealth. Yeah. And so, yeah. whichever direction you end up spinning that, as you know, 
you're wealthy because you're a good person who does good things and you've been justly rewarded or you're a good person because you're so humble and don't need material things is like it's a yeah (laughs) these are separate separate things y'all yeah. Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory is a great example of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Charlie and his, uh, his, I mean, he's a good person in general. He could have been good and not poor, but he was good and poor. And um, all the spoiled kids, they. Yeah, Mike yeah. TV and Veruca Salts. Uh, <laughs> I want it TV. now. I mean, yeah. That's, I was not that's that her spoiled. whole character. That's her, <laughs> yeah. her whole character is being the, you know, the greedy spoiled child. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I I uh I think I related more to Violet. <laughs> yeah, I mean. Yeah. I who love wants Violet. to choose who wants to choose some gum? You're turning Violet. Violet? Yeah. Was there a sequel of uh where where Charlie gets like um ruined by money and he's the uh, person i don't i never finished reading charlie in the great glass elevator but mm. yes there was a sequel yeah no no but <laughs> is it like is it like about him like is he still a good person i i would hope so does that but message I continue or does i it assume like so it? since he's still the main character protagonist mm-hmm, and not the villain yeah Lots of stories have the anyway. I don't know. I, I haven't read it either. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody read it and tell us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. No. That's a. That's a. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Like Charlie. Like his. His whole. Like they want you to see that he's so poor. Like all his grandparents are poor and bedridden. Also. And sleeping in the same bed. They yeah, only yeah, have yeah. the one bed for four people. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Not just one room for four people. One bed. <laughs> yeah. 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 Hmm. And he had to scrape to get, he had to find the money on the ground to go be able to buy his chocolate bar that he won with, you know? Yep. Yeah. Oh, I just thought of a good one. Uh, Did you guys see 2001's huge hit Rat Race? No. Oh, what? Is this the one with all the comedians? Uh, yes. Yes, (laughs) Yes, it's an ensemble cast. Uh, It's got um, John Cleese plays. uh, Goldberg's in this, right? Everybody's in it. Yes. This is a lot of people. Um, But but, uh, John Cleese plays an extremely wealthy man who um, sets up uh, a bunch of lower class people, basically, to compete. Gives them a key to a lockbox in a train station that's a couple cities away or whatever and is like whoever gets to the the box and opens it first gets to keep two million dollars which again this really shows its age that two million (laughs) dollars is like so much that all these people would do ridiculous things and commit crimes and almost kill a couple of people for two million dollars of course at the end they end up um just to be fair, Don't, just to be they fair, donated, like, people do uh, make, make all, do all sorts of crimes for way less than $2 million. Yeah, now. well, that, I mean, that's, like, that is absolutely true. Yeah, for like <laughs> five bucks. I mean, <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, but um, it is it is a very funny movie. Um, I don't know. I haven't seen it in a while, so I don't know how well it has aged. Um, maybe poorly in some cases, but it is um, definitely about how... Uh, uh, the wealthy upper class becomes bored and makes entertainment <laughs> out of poor people competing over the scraps of their wealth. Um, yeah. 
But then they undermine that by at the end, they they get the money and they're at a concert, uh, some sort of charity concert. And they're like, we're going to give the two million dollars to the charity concert. And um, also the the rich guy who made this whole thing, he's going to match it and match the, the total amount you make tonight and basically get more of his money i guess but um and then they play the smash mouth and it's fantastic um (laughs) (laughs) but uh yeah that's definitely a movie that again is the villainization of extreme wealth hoarding yeah yeah uh Hmm. but yeah What, what was the future example that you you wanted to bring up um you said you were going to hold it for later. Yeah, I still want to wait on it a little bit more. I still want to wait more. on it a little bit more. Okay. Yeah, okay, I, I have a couple okay. more example, examples. Oh, okay. Um, Go for the it. episode of Buffy, um, after Buffy's mom has died, and Buffy is now responsible for taking care of the household and needs oh. to get a job so she can mm-hmm. replace the um, hundreds of pieces of furniture and windows they are constantly breaking in that house. I know. Uh, <laughs> her poor mother had to pay for all those things. Yeah. And did it without any recognition. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that was a that was a good example. I liked I liked that. It was it was nice to see a situation in which a literal superhero is struggling with the very basic thing of like I need to get any job. I will take a fast food job if I have to. I will take any job so that I can, you know, keep my home uh, and feed and feed yeah. my family and everything. Yeah. It's like um that definitely stuck with me. Um, I watched uh, the movie Beasts of the Southern Wild that came out in 2012. It is one of the most beautiful movies I have ever seen. I highly recommend it to every person in the whole world. It will probably make you cry. It's um, a, a drama uh, movie about um, a young girl named Hush Puppy who's living in, um, I think it's like Louisiana, uh, near in in like the Delta area. And her community is extremely impoverished. Um, and basically the, the main thing that is happening is, um, a big storm comes through and because they had built uh, levees next to the big city where all of the rich people live it is completely flooding the poor people's homes and so it's this big storm is coming and it's uh, sort of an apocalyptic situation for these people and it shows how um, even now in today's world that kind of extreme poverty exists and um, is <laughs> Uh, even if it is framed in um, it is a natural disaster because, you know, hurricanes and, and such, but it is man-made, uh, the the terrible outcomes that come from it end up being caused by people. Uh, gosh, that movie is so good. Oh, it's such a good movie. You should definitely watch it. It's beautiful. <laughs> I I... I went and saw that with um, a couple of friends in theater, and we all came out of the movie um, not just wet face, but like, you know, when you cry really hard and like the collar of your shirt gets kind of wet? Because it's dripped down off your chin. Because it has just and... gone all down your neck. Yeah, that mm-hmm. kind of crying. That kind of good movie. <laughs> hmm. 
Um, let's see, what else do I want to touch on? Oh, uh, I, you know, I, I watch a lot of true crime documentaries and um, that has impacted the way I see our justice system as, um, you know, ideally your justice system would be separated from capital, but it is not. Our justice system is not about justice. It's it's about maintaining capital and protecting capital. And um, it's super horrifying. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've, I've talked about this. It's been a while since I talk about it, but like we're in court right now fighting <laughs> the Geek Therapy trademark. Mm-hmm. And basically we did a GoFundMe uh, we, and we spent all the money on the lawyer in like a month, right? Mm-hmm. Was, and that's and mm-hmm. that's like not a criminal case either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, no, this is and so and so. Uh, my biggest concern throughout the whole thing, it's like, well, obviously, like we're, we're fighting to protect something, um, and every every lawyer I spoke to was like, oh yeah, like you got this, unless you can't pay a lawyer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's uh so like I'm acting as the lawyer so we don't have to pay for it uh, because it's it's one of those things. This is this is uh, it's it's like the Penelope example. It's like uh, so many moments where you you're weighing the cost of something versus the cost of something else that isn't necessarily monetary. Mm-hmm. And this is one of those cases where like there's no way that I can justify spending that much money. Uh, versus like like it's definitely a savings <laughs> if I try yeah. to do it myself, regardless of how many hours it takes. And mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. it's depressing. I can't imagine being in a in a situation where and and actually, um, so when I have my private practice, this is something that I was uh, also very scared of. Like you have to get liability insurance mm-hmm. because clients can sue you and. Yep. And holy shit, like like uh liability insurance starts at like a hundred thousand or a million, right? Isn't it? Like it depends on the thing. I don't know. I think it it may depend on the state. Yeah. But it's like yeah. big numbers, right? It's not like a, like liability insurance isn't a little bit. It's because that's, oh, yeah. and that's not what you're paying. That's what your coverage yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like you don't start coverage for ten thousand dollars, right? It's like no. coverage is a lot <laughs> because because the legal system is is ridiculous and in something like this that isn't uh like the trademark which isn't criminal or anything like that it's just like oh yeah like so i can and then the way it's written is like oh yeah you know anybody can can uh uh what's it called defend themselves in the in the u.s court system like it's it's completely open that's like it's not prohibited it's like that's fantastic except that obviously it's not recommended yeah no 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 i mean obviously anybody can do it but uh the people who do it spend tons of many years <laughs> studying mm-hmm. to be able to do that so it's not really uh uh fair but it's it's one of those things where i'm like that's a lot of money to spend <laughs> to mm-hmm. to defend something and i've i've made the choice of doing it myself uh and i'm i'm very used to facing that and this is something that is uh probably the the theme of many comedies over the years especially i feel like in the 80s and 90s where it's like no i'm gonna fix it myself right like i'm not gonna hire somebody and uh you know like i don't and need it, a plumber you know and, and it then, doesn't <laughs> get fixed <laughs> yeah 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 uh but like 
like I'm I'm that type of person. Like yeah, I'll spend ten hours trying to figure how to stop the leak of the faucet instead of spending you know a hundred dollars for someone to come do it in five minutes, uh, because of because of how much you you value one thing. It's like no, like money. My issues with money are such that my time, <laughs> I value way less. <laughs> my time and my frustration and all of that. So so I'm not going to uh, uh, do that. I yeah that I really I really resonate with yeah. that. <laughs> I remember when I was working in GameStop, which was one of my first like real uh, real jobs, like having a W two and everything. And um, at, at some point, I started framing making purchases around how many hours of GameStop work it would take, where it would be like, okay, if I want to go see this movie, it's going to take me like an hour and a half of work to, to cover that. And um, shifting to that perspective of having time as money um, really changed the way I, I started thinking about about that. And yeah, um, yeah it was, it was a, a big shift for me to start framing it that way. And of course, you know, everybody is going to have their, their individual beliefs about you know their own value system of when um you know time is is worth more than a certain amount of money or worth less than a certain amount of money but definitely framing it that way was really important to me because like i don't have an unlimited amount of time on this planet that is a number that is is depleting consistently and um true yeah i and you don't get to put more time in that yeah, bucket. Yeah. <laughs> it's not, oh God, what was that movie? I think that movie was called Timer, but where you could trade hours of life. But anyways, yeah. Justin it's, Timberlake movie, was it? Yeah, the Justin Timberlake movie. <laughs> um, anyways. Where you trade time. Yeah. yeah. Any, forever, anyways, basically. yeah. Framing, framing things that way really changed the way that I think about money. I've never seen the movie, but I always considered the concept like an interesting form of like social commentary. Where yeah. It's like, oh yeah. Like what if? What if? And aren't we actually uh, trading <laughs> time? I mean that that uh, was yeah. The, yeah. that was sort of the the wink. Yeah. Yeah. Sci-fi aspect to it is like this is already what you're doing. Um. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and and so uh, I completely. I see the world that way and I cannot stop seeing the world that way. Mm -hmm. And in part it's because I don't have any other income source, right? It's like, I don't have dividends coming in from my stocks. I don't have, Mm -hmm. um, I don't have a house that's worth something. So it's like, it offsets some things. It's like, no, no, no. Like every hour that I work is the only money that I have. And so I see everything exactly the same way. I'm like, okay, I really want to order from Grubhub, but that's, this many hours of work, right? It's like, whew, okay, no dessert because that's this much. And it doesn't matter how much I make because like over the years I've gone up and down in, in, in my salary and I always see it the same exact way. I don't think it's a very healthy way <laughs> to, to see the world. It, it's definitely, uh, I, I ruminate so much on that that the way I, I try to not ruminate on it is by not thinking about it at all, which yeah. I don't think is necessarily better because <laughs> then it's like, what happened to my bank account? <laughs> yeah. It never, it never, and, and I never have that reaction in the, in, in, 
in the direction that I want it to be. It's always in, <laughs> in a bad direction. It's like, where'd it go? Not, hey, there's some little, there's a little extra here. Yeah. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah, no. Oof. Ugh. Yeah. That's why, like, I, I again, I, I never talk to people about this, and I feel like there isn't, like, it, thankfully, super extreme poverty is something that I cannot relate to and isn't necessarily helpful uh, um, for me anyway in terms of, like, understanding my own relationship with money. And then, like, watching the Kardashians is a completely the 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 other spectrum where mm-hmm. I'm like I have no idea like I don't I don't understand I don't understand what's happening how how is this possible I can't <laughs> yeah yeah I remember yeah. growing up watching like Beverly Hills 90210 and I always related more to the Walshes moving from Minnesota and like they're like why are these people buying like five cars and spending thousands of dollars and whatever because all the kids that lived in Beverly Hills were like millionaires um, mm-hmm. and I didn't I didn't get it. It was so weird to watch that show and then idolize that show. <laughs> but yeah, now you I live mean... in the Bay Area, which is like <laughs> more expensive than, right? Like people consider the Bay Area probably more than. It depends on where in the Bay Area. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. If you're in like Silicon Valley land, um, that's like that. But Beverly Hills is like old money, like superstar yeah. money, celebrity yeah. money. Um, yeah, like we've brought up uh, the Bay Area in San Francisco a couple times, and um, and this is like a, a totally separate conversation. But I've never seen as many homeless people as I have in San Francisco, mm-hmm. never in, in my yep. life. And I, I lived in in New York City, and it it doesn't even compare to what I saw in in San Francisco. And that's a definite increase over the last like ten years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I have never seen so many homeless people. In San Francisco. And I lived in San Francisco for 10 years. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. So, so like, I really appreciate, again, stories that are, right, closer to to a certain experience, but also that talk about money differently. Like, uh, I I think, you know, probably the most special thing about uh, Princess and the Frog isn't, I mean, I think it's maybe equally special. It's like, oh, it's the first black princess. But also, like, her her dream wasn't to marry a prince. No. It was to start a business. She wanted to start a restaurant. Mm-hmm. She wanted to sell beignets. It was so, like, it's it was so refreshing, right, to have a story that was, mm-hmm. that was so different. But also, that's pretty damn grounded. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, oh, yeah. Um, that's, like it's hard to do that. Right. And like, it, it takes hard work and, and, but she, but she, that, that's what she wanted to do. And at the end the happy, the happily ever after was that she was able to accomplish that. Mm-hmm. Really appreciate the, that, yeah, that movie. One yeah. of the few, the only other princess I can think of that's pretty grounded was like Belle who didn't want to marry a prince, but ended up marrying a prince and just like, she just wanted to read books. <laughs> she just wanted to be smart. I mean, I okay. I really love Bell, but I mean, <laughs> like he had a huge ass library. You don't think there was a little bit of like, mm, yeah, boy, let me I'm get up in that library. I My mean, at some point there was. At some point there was, but like she lived in her she lived in her in her house with her dad, and he they weren't well off, um, but they they had their house, and he invented things, and people thought he was. 
worthy of being committed to an asylum and she read books <laughs> with, the, with the exception of like star trek stories right or or some stories that managed to somehow like completely avoid the topic of um wealth and and um uh, even stories that i don't know i don't know why i just thought of like she but like they never talk about money but you do talk about like oh we own this land and those people mm-hmm. own that land and mm-hmm. we have this military power and they have more we have less like there's a lot of more or less right that's like always in discussions but you don't hear like the money discussion you don't hear like the business i mean actually i do appreciate a lot shows that show the struggle of a small business and things like that. Like that's something that I've, that I've really started appreciating. I just saw mm-hmm. a show on Netflix called Hentified. Hmm. Uh, it's about a, where are they located? They're somewhere in LA, I think. And it's a, it's a Hispanic family who owns a Mexican restaurant, like a, like a taco shop. And gentrification is coming in. People are buying up properties. Things are changing. They're struggling. Um, in many ways, probably the story of San Francisco, right? Where it's like, oh, like, no, we're, we're raising your rent a whole bunch because it's worth it now. Like, if you don't, are not willing to pay it, somebody else will. Mm-hmm. It's like the struggle of this family building up this business and trying to do things in a certain way to, to just sur- survive. And then once they're surviving, we actually see them talking about thriving and, like, leaving that legacy to their kids. And, and I, I love that part of the story. Um, shameless uh, on oh, yeah. the, the American version. Not the I, I don't know if this happens in the UK version, but in in Shameless, Fiona's they talk story, about money all the time. <laughs> well, they talk about money all the time, but in, in the frame that like, oh, we like we live in the Chicago South Side. We're, this is what it's like to we never South Side have people. any money. We, we never have hoard money. Yeah. money. Yeah, yeah, but that's like a that's like a like a poverty story. But Fiona's mm-hmm. story eventually becomes that she. She like she gets a job and saves some up and she sees an opportunity to start a business and she she fucks it up she fails mm-hmm. and then she she she's able to try again and this time like she kind of messes up but once she has money she completely doesn't know what to do with it and like it's so it was so hard to see Fiona's experience because I don't that's pretty. I don't know how accurate, like now that I live in the South side of Chicago, I don't know how accurate the the portrayal really is <laughs> on mm. the show. But I think that there's something very uh, relatable about that. She, like she's going through the stuff that we talked about, right? It's like, we, I don't know what to do with this money. Now that I have money. And then everyone's attitude changing when she has money and thinking that her attitude is changing when she has money. And it does, right? Like her, yeah. her completely, she, she completely changes her view of the, her worldview changes. Mm-hmm. There's, there's really interesting research on that. On like people well, get like to a certain number of uh, dollars in their bank account and then your, your worldview does change. Your values mm-hmm. change. Mm-hmm. She's and, like, well, why shouldn't I do something for myself instead of focusing on taking care of all these kids all the time? I've never done anything for myself. Let me do something for myself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and the stuff that they explore in the show, I think is, is mm-hmm. really, really good. Not necessarily like great lessons. I don't know. But uh, a story that happens often that I don't think is is told. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they cover everything on that show. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. It was it was it was great to see, and it wasn't something that they did in one episode. It was something that that took place over yeah. seasons. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was it was great. In a way, like that character, like the struggle with money was so bad. Like she was so defeated after all that that she basically she like she left. <laughs> she left the show. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's so sad. So sad. All right. Well, now can you bring up your current uh, event, uh, your your new example, Lauren? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, we've touched on this a couple of times as we've had this discussion. Um, talking about money is uncomfortable, and a lot of people have anxiety around it. A lot of people, <clears throat> sorry, a lot of people are avoidant to starting or having a conversation around money or will actively try and change the subject away from it. Um, that's, that is, that is, it's not just you. That is a lot mm-hmm. of people. And um, I started listening to this podcast a couple of years ago. It's called Bad With Money with Gabby Dunn, um, which now she has a book out also called Bad, Bad With Money, though it has a different subtitle. Um, but it is a, a podcast where Gabby Dunn interviews various people from different financial backgrounds and actually delves into this kind of stuff and is like, look, we're all uncomfortable about it. Let's let's figure out why and and try and get over that discomfort. And she she does it in a way that is is very personable. She comes from a um a background where she didn't have a lot of money and her her parents um, were not good at managing money and how that impacted her and her relationship with money. And um, as she gained fame um, on YouTube and as a comedian, how her relationship with money has continued to change and also how people um, project on onto her about money. It's like if you're if you're doing well on your YouTube your youtube channel then you must be like you got money and why do you keep getting like ugh? why do you have a sponsored event i don't want to i don't want to watch an ad it's like well i don't have money i want to be able to go to the dentist this month and stuff like that she it, it is a really good podcast i highly recommend it she delves into systemic issues um talking about how people of color uh, especially black people are mistreated by our our money systems she talks about um you know what the heck is a 401k and how retirement is supposed to work and um does it does it in such a way that doesn't make you feel like shit that you haven't been saving for your retirement since you were you know six weeks old or whatever um you're 35 and, years old. You should have this much money yeah, in the bank. Yes. Stuff like that where, you know, the, the oh, you should have three to six months of income, like, saved just in case. In case a pandemic comes. That type of thing. Yeah. yeah. And it's just like all, all of that stuff is, you know, some of it is cultural. Some of it is um, sales pitches by people who make money off of people's ignorance or discomfort or, you know, yeah. inability to deal with money. Um, the, and she, of course, my my favorite part is she really touches on the way that capitalism has uh, is absolutely rigged, and the system is inherently unjust, and um, why we should perhaps maybe abandon it. But, anyways, I highly recommend listening to a couple of those episodes of her podcast. They are really good, and 
I've never had any interest in wanting to like listen to a podcast about money. It's like, ugh, I don't want to do that. But I'm so, I, I haven't listened to the most recent season, but I'm so glad that I did listen to the earlier seasons when I did because they were really meaningful to me. There's so much shame attached to money and money management and talking about money management. And that was one of the first things she addressed is how that shame is beneficial to capitalism if we don't talk about it. Um, And so we're having this conversation now. And I think that's really, really important that we're talking about it. We're trying to make it a little less uncomfortable, a little less anxiety producing. Um, Before we started recording, we were both like, we're pretty anxious about it. Oh, yeah. No, I I was. (laughs) (laughs) I've been dreading this conversation all day. Yeah, no. Uh, I came up with it was your too. idea. It was your yes, idea too. This was Hostway's idea earlier today. I was like, maybe I should like text in the Slack chat that I'm not feeling well and I don't want to. <laughs> I'm not going to come. I, I came up I was, with like, multiple excuses. About it. Yeah, I came up with multiple excuses over the weekend to change the topic. Yeah, I, I, the last one, and I almost did it. I was like, we're in the middle of this pandemic. Like, we shouldn't be like, you know, it's it's like it's not the same as before. And then I was like, no, you're you're just trying to avoid it again, mm-hmm. and it's probably even more important now to talk about this. So, just do it. Just get it out. And whew, yep. yeah, we don't we don't do this enough. I'm gonna check out that podcast. Uh, if yeah, I, I think if, you'll like it. Yeah, I mean, and and I appreciate you only briefly mentioning capitalism and uh, uh, in, the, in this episode because. Like, it was it, a microscopic rant. It was just really small, uh, barely well, not even a rant. But mm-hmm. but it's it's like there's it's one of those things that's uh, I don't I don't like capitalism, but it's a system we're in, right? Like I can't do actively yeah. anything right now. Uh, Absolutely, yeah. But mm-hmm. like, what are what what's helpful, right? And like to me, like again, having this conversation, more people talking about it, more people, and like I love what you just said. Like, oh yeah, like. We're being. Some people are trying to take advantage of us, and we don't. We don't have to do. You know, we can. Mm-hmm. We can. We can navigate that. Um, yeah, it's it's like with you know a lot of conversations we have on here, it, the stuff that we tend to avoid culturally is probably the stuff we need to talk more about. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I'm reading a book right now called Dollars and Cents, um, and cents is written S E N S E. Mm-hmm. It's a How We Misthink Money and How to Spend Smarter by Dan Ariely. He's a psychologist that I really, really like his research and his work. And it's a book that I've been trying to get through for like a year. <laughs> but it's it's uh, it, it's hard. And and like I started reading it. It was one of those things where I was like, I'm going to read this because it would be really helpful for my sister. <laughs> <laughs> Rationalization there, Josue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I'm, I'm, I was like found a way to, to make myself uh, – get to get to that point and you know podcast books uh count as media uh and definitely everything i'm so glad you brought up ducktales because like that that definitely (laughs) there's a lot of of stories that have been super influential and i think you know we could have we could go on another hour just talking about examples and kind of how how they affected the way i see it all but now that i'm now at my age it's more like how these things are making me feel. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, we've, we've been yeah. mostly focusing on uh, more personal examples, but you know, yeah. you can go with a much broader lens and look at this, you know, look at how media is portraying people's relationships with money, um, you know, over a decade 
And, you know, you can really get an idea of how our culture's relationship with money is different from other cultures. And, um, yeah, it can be uh, pretty revealing. Yeah. I mean, it's it's great also to see as as there's more diversity in in the casts on the shows that we see, um, we have more examples of people from different um, different everything, right? Uh, in yeah. different socioeconomic situations, it's like when the Cosby Show was on TV, like it was a big deal. It was like, oh, a black doctor, you know, and they're a successful family. And and now we have way more stories like that. And, and like one day at a time, like it was a white family, right? The original version, the new version is a Cuban family. And they're they're kind of moving on up, right? In the show, like they're mm-hmm. do, they're doing better now in season four than they were in season in season oh, one. Oh yeah, like the mom Penelope got that that promotion. Yeah, promotion. She's a nurse practitioner now. Yeah, she studied. She 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 was able to get a promotion. She's doing a little better. It's so good to see to see right that 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 it's possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I I'm I'm like ninety percent certain on this, but have either of you seen the I forgot the name of the video, but it's the Beyonce and Jay Z um, video where they rented out the Louvre for this mm. video. Have you yeah. seen this? Mm-hmm. And so I believe that they that, that I read an interview where they said it was important for us to show like black wealth. Like mm-hmm. people don't associate um, black people with wealth, and we wanted to show that in like the most opulent way possible. It's like they literally, like they rent out the Louvre. They're in the Louvre, like with like, they look expensive. (laughs) Yeah. That was something they they talked about in um, Black Panther as well. When they were talking Mm. about designing what, um, Wakanda, what Wakanda would, would look like and what the Wakandans would look like and the leaders and uh, T'Challa's mom and everything. And, and there was definitely, you know, it was important that there was um, a wealth aspect, a a royal aspect, because that's not something we tend to get, yeah. um, especially of black people in <laughs> especially uh, superhero films. So, yeah, that yeah. was yeah. I'm glad that you brought that up because that's yeah. totally true. I mean, Wakanda mm-hmm. takes it to the to the extreme where they're not only like they are the wealthiest and most mm-hmm. advanced they are group the of smartest, people in the entire world. The- Best people in the world. Yep in the in the in the comic books, possibly the solar system, and yeah, yeah. <laughs> they take it. They they keep taking that idea, and yeah, that's so like it's it's so good. So like th- things are very different now. I think I think that's really helpful. Um, there's a lot of bullshit out there too about money, which is not helpful. Like you said, mm-hmm. there's a lot of stuff like just shames you <laughs> because you know you yep. haven't saved up and stuff, and and yeah. But there's yeah, there's a lot out there. I don't I don't have any more recommendations as far as things that are that are helpful. But as, as always, like I, I bring this up because the the point of this show, right, is that is that media can help us uh, have these difficult conversations. For me, it was this episode of One Day at a Time that hit me in a way that nothing had affected me in a while, and it may just be the current situation that we're in. But I'm 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 glad I'm very glad, Lauren, that you didn't bow out. 
Yeah. I think if you would have said you weren't feeling well, I probably would have asked you, really? Because like, I also wasn't feeling well. <laughs> I didn't want to do this one. I would have never asked you that otherwise. But I, I kind of, yeah. We're, we were on the same wavelength. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I like, I feel like, I mean, I if, we, if, if we die, yeah, of course, I, I feel a lot better too. But it's, you know, it's the idea of like, oh, we're going to talk about money. And it's like, I don't have any money. I'm not the person to talk about this. Like, I'm, no. I'm You're not an expert in this field. But <laughs> we're talking, you know, we're talking about media and we're talking about how, you know, like how people conceptually understand money in a lot of ways comes from the media that we're consuming. And um, I definitely feel more comfortable talking about that aspect. (laughs) But you not having money also means your voice is important. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Like that is a voice that we don't hear a lot of in, in media, like the voice of not having money. So I don't, I don't don't, know. I don't know if that's true. Like, I don't, I don't know. know that is yeah. that that might not be true, but what I'm saying, like, it's important for that opinion. We could to certainly have more representation of that. Um, well, we in, have, a, we in a more realistic, in a more yeah, realistic you way. Know, I've been thinking about um, <laughs> an example I didn't give earlier, but thinking about like uh, sitcoms like Friends, where it's like, oh yeah, I'm a I'm a coffee shop waitress who can afford this huge ass two Manhattan. bedroom Manhattan apartment, and I'm like, not just like mm. an apartment, right? like, <laughs> yep, mm-hmm. yep. Yeah. Oh boy, yeah, th- yeah. That's the like again, like I think we we touched on that earlier, where it's like the the good guys are are poor, or you know, there's like this this moral um, aspect. Uh, to it and, mm-hmm. and I don't know like yeah again like just seeing seeing someone who's who's living like like in one day at a time part of the thing is like oh we're we don't have a lot of money and there's four of us and I'm a single mom raising two kids and my grandmother lives with me and they have episodes where it's like oh they're gonna sell the building and my landlord wants me to buy my apartment because he wants me to say, but I can't afford that. Like, but then we also have the stories like, oh no, like there's progress. There's things that are happening so that you mm-hmm. can kind of move, move ahead. And those stories are the ones that are more, yeah, more realistic, more like there's a struggle that, that is relatable Yeah. to, to a big number of people. Yeah. I debated a lot about like what to talk about and what not to talk about. And I'll just bring this up because I, I don't know if it'll be helpful for for people. But when you, when you talked about that sh- the the shame part of it, uh, when I had my private practice, I had this because of the way I think of money, I was able to basically get. Uh, I did have a family member who offered to help a little, and so instead of using the money like a like a business person, I used it like someone who was in survival mode. So instead of investing the money to help the business, I use it as just like, I need to hold on to this so I can pay the rent, <laughs> which is not helpful for the business, which then uh, led to to me filing for bankruptcy. And filing for bankruptcy, like even just talking about it, still feels embarrassing. But at the time, and I think, I think it's the thing that I was most afraid of in my life. And it's something that doesn't make sense like i did it i went through it 
and my I, I like didn't burst into flames. <laughs> the, <laughs> the like the sky didn't open up. Like, You're it was, still here. <laughs> I'm still alive. Uh, I'm still okay. But there was something about the fail. It felt like a failure, right? And it had been, and I I think. I, I'm pretty sure I got that from TV and movies. Yeah, that right? is like, that is absolutely uh, yeah. our our culture, our yeah. society's the the irony belief of system it? of putting putting yeah. failure into yeah. into it. But it's like <laughs> it's like it's very similar to like food stamps and things like that, right? Like those mm-hmm. are there to help you when you need them. Like, mm-hmm. like when you read bankruptcy law and you learn about it, it's like, oh, like that is a protection, right, for people who fall into a situation yep. that they cannot get out of. The government has a system in place to help people. It's an aid. And still, it felt like I was, it was the biggest, it felt like I was about to commit the biggest um, mistake of my life. I don't, I don't think, I, I never talk about this, but the only reason I finally did it after years of doing just stupid shit, just like digging a, a bigger hole in, uh, than than I needed to, was the fact that the office, my, my actual uh, therapy office, I shared it with someone else and had, there were three offices. And the third office, we ended up renting it out to a, to a bankruptcy attorney. <laughs> <laughs> and so finally, like after Did months- Did you do like a barter? <laughs> well, no, no, but but like I would I would walk in and be like, so like, what do you do? Like, how does this work? Like, and it took me months of talking to her to work up the nerve to like say the tell her the situation I was in, and her to sit me down and do some serious, uh, you know, like financial counseling, which I recommend to everybody, so that you have somebody who knows what they're talking about to talk about your problems and and look at possible solutions. She was like, and she told me the work that she did, and like. I felt like she was doing more good in the world than I was as a therapist <laughs> because it was like she was giving me examples of the of the types of situations people were in and and like she she told me like this is a this is like the government has this in place to help you and and I don't know why when like you hear that a company goes f- for bankruptcy it's like it's like not that big of a deal but when a person goes uh, you know is filed in uh, files I for mean, bankruptcy yeah it's the same thing with with welfare right yeah, it's like oh, a subsidy is cool, but yeah, you know, subsidy, but food stamps is not thumbs okay. Up. Welfare thumbs down. It's like yeah. uh, they the same thing. Yeah, yeah, and and again, it's like because we hear that over and over and over again, and not necessarily from people in our lives, right? We hear that from from TV and from movies, and mm-hmm, we see mm-hmm. oh, and it was it was. Like I don't recommend anybody being in a situation that you have to, you know, and and needing bankruptcy. It's like, like it's not like a goal, but like it's there to help you. And once you you need it, you should like talk to people who know about that. And and again, looking back, I was so afraid. Like you have to go in front of a judge, and it was, I, it was it was so terrifying and embarrassing. And and afterwards, it took a while to be like. Oh, like nothing happened. Like, like, like. Oh, yeah. Like my, like, I'm in a situation now. I've been giving a, a I've been given a, like, a, someone helped me with my financial situation, and now I can do things better. And whew, yeah, I don't know. It's like people don't don't talk about that. I don't usually. I don't know how many people around me filed for bankruptcy. I think I think I've been bringing it up like more often. Just 
to see if I like find a bankruptcy buddy, you know, so, like we can share share stories about it. I've I've got a couple people you can talk to. Cool, cool, cool. I'm, I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start a channel on the Discord. Bankruptcy buddies. <laughs> but yeah, so so I just wanted to share uh, share that part of it. Oh, I hate this episode. Let's well, thank you for sharing that. I think that's <laughs> I think that's really valuable because that does really really put a. a a big flashing arrow sign on on what we were talking about early earlier of how how much shame is mixed up in in these kinds of conversations how much we yeah. feel like we don't know enough so we don't want to participate at all because we might look foolish or we might make a mistake that'll ruin our whole entire lives and yeah. um the only the only way to deal with that stuff is we we got we got to talk about it we got to actually talk about it and look at it and figure it out. And um, even though this has been uncomfortable, I'm really glad that we had this conversation. I think this was really productive and um, I feel better. Um, You know, there's something really nice about having other people be all like, yeah, it freaks me the fuck out too. It's like, yay, I'm not alone. And that's the truth. We are not alone. (laughs) Also, this is not helpful at all, but you used to be able to put your student loans into bankruptcy, and Ronald Reagan uh, fought very hard to remove that. Facts. Check Mm -hmm. it out. Ugh. Mm -hmm. I'm done. Put that on another reason to dislike Ronald Reagan. Excellent. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Or he's got a running tab of why to hate Ronald Reagan. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So if you're a bankruptcy buddy or not, or uh, have issues with, with money or know someone who, who might uh, benefit from this conversation, or please like share different media uh, that, that informed your perspective and your feelings about money, any resources, like that, the podcast, what was the podcast name again, uh, Lauren? Bad With Money with Gabby Dunn, and that's spelled G-A-B-Y-D-U-N-N. Uh, I recommend uh, Dollars and Cents by Dan Ariely, and... Yeah, please. Any other suggestions, let us know. Let us know in the Discord, the forum, or email us. Uh, let us know what's going on. Thank you so much for listening. Remember to gig out and do good. And we'll be back next week. This episode was brought to you in part by our Patreon supporters. We'd like to say a very special thank you to our supporters at the evangelist level and above, including Mark, Booney, Lydia, Jamila, Adam, Doe, Gay, Pat, and Joe Lynn. To learn more about how to support Geek Therapy and gain access to exclusive content, visit patreon.com slash geektherapy.